Well, good morning. Welcome. Join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23 this morning. In our previous uh, lessons, we were talking about uh, release unto us uh, Barabbas and and the events uh, leading up to the, the trial and sentence of execution for the Lord. And uh, so we'll begin reading in Luke 23, verse 25 this morning. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put him, uh, put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And Jesus turned and said unto them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nurse. I'm reading from the NIV here this morning on this. But uh, Then will they say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? And two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, uh, in the KJV, it's uh, Calvary, and in the other Gospels called Golgotha. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And so <clears throat> that's our. We're going to kind of hop around a little bit, and we're going to we're going to circle back around, as they say, to the the daughters of Jerusalem weep for yourselves part maybe in a, in a later lesson uh, but today we're we're uh, we're looking at uh, particularly verse 26 and 27 and as they led him away they laid hold upon one Simon a Cyrenian coming out of the country and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And so we're looking at these these last steps of Jesus in this earthly manifestation and and the culmination of his earthly journey, a journey that was determined in eternity and carried out in time as we know it. And as it says in Galatians, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them which were under the law. Redemption was the purpose of his coming and the purpose of every step that he took. <clears throat> and, you know, 33 short years, yet every step was in complete accordance with the will of the Father and the eternal purpose of God. And And if you recall years ago when we first studied started studying Luke, in chapter 2, uh, he kind of disappeared for a while from his 
parents and they didn't know where he was and and he said how is it that you sought me don't you know that I must be about my father's business from the very beginning uh, and in chapter 4 uh, verse 43 and he said unto them Four forty-three. 43 I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also for thereunto am I sent and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee and in Luke 19, we we remember when he was up in the northern area, and he, he he came to a place, and he looked up and saw Zacchaeus, and he says, "Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house." And he must needs go through Samaria on these final steps, from in his 33 years and in Luke 9 22 saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day and so all these musts that we we covered I think we had a whole lesson on the musts of Jesus he must accomplish these things he must go these certain places he must do these uh, certain miracles he must do all these things <clears throat> according as it was written and they were recorded for us and they were by no means all but they were a representation by which all of his steps were measured they were all they were all in accordance with the will of the father that sent me sent him all according to purpose and all according to grace and and as it was written, the journey began in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and ends here in Jerusalem, the city of peace. And isn't that what his death did for us? Uh, we, we have peace with, with God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay for our, our sins. <clears throat> uh, in Micah 5, 2, says, Thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And that was the, one of the very things that they they brought to the Romans, uh, that scripture, <clears throat> and said, well, he's going to be king of the Jews. And that's, a, that's against Caesar, and we have no king but Caesar, so you should kill him because he's usurping your authority and and that's what they used to to 
cajole the Romans into performing their dirty work for them. And uh, so, but Jerusalem, it began in Bethlehem, it ended in Jerusalem. And many times in Scripture we find Jerusalem a synonym or a metaphor for the church. And, and in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2, it says, Speak you comfortably to Jerusalem. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. You know, there's a commercial on TV, so that means you're supposed to send a food box to Holocaust victims. <laughs> but that might be a good thing to do, but it's it's not the gospel. <clears throat> comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Not just a minimum payment but he has uh, satisfied the the Lord's requirements double there's no possibility that 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 it's not enough and and that turns out to be a big stumbling stone for the Jews as it's written in Romans 9:33 as it is written behold i lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. He shall be for a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. <clears throat> and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken and therefore thus saith the Lord God behold I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone a sure foundation <clears throat> he that believeth shall not make haste <clears throat> judgment also will I lay to the line <clears throat> and righteousness to the plummet and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the water shall overflow the hiding place. <coughs> Boy, isn't that a, this is a wonderful block of Scripture. I like what uh, Hawker is fond of writing. <coughs> Everything that tells us about the Lord is just interesting and precious. <laughs> you see, every little, every little snippet that we get, every little detail that we get, here he is in Jerusalem. All these things have been fulfilled. And he's the the stone for the sure foundation. and But I, I call your attention to line uh, 17 of Isaiah 28. Because judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. Those are the things by which everything's salvation is going to be measured. Those two things. Nothing else is going to come up to the line nothing else is going to be you know the plummet is used to to mark the the trueness of something in the, in being perpendicular being a, a vertical and uh, we we use those in carpentry and things to mark a, a spot we use a plumb bob or a plummet to determine because uh, gravity is always true the the principle of gravity never never wavers and <clears throat> And, and so everything that has to do with salvation has to be 
compared to that that plummet, that plumb bob. And if it's to the left or to the right, it doesn't measure up and it's not acceptable. It says hail's going to sweep away the refuge of lies. So everything that is not in accordance with the 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 line and the plummet, the level and the plummet is going to be swept away. And they're, and they're called lies because they don't they're not true. The the plummet line is the true line. <clears throat> In Jerusalem shall the Lord the Christ by the the sacrifice of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world be the surety of his people in taking judgment in their stead and he is the line the plummet by which God the Father determines satisfaction he's only going to be satisfied with those two things his righteousness will be the plummet in determining what's right and true and nothing else will be accepted nothing else will work and all this was determined by God eternally you know every it's just amazing how we and when we look at things and we find that the elect whom he would redeem their their very names written in the lamb's book of life and and it goes down into further detail it says even the very hairs of their head are all numbered that's the detail with which god knows his people and and works to to satisfy his righteousness through the application of the gospel and and how he how he operates in in intersecting his elect with the gospel and either bringing them to it or bringing the gospel to them and you know we find Christ leaving in in a way his infinite nature and taking on the nature of man to walk these final steps uh, to to death and it says as they led him away they laid hold upon one Simon a Cyrenian and and again here we have a uh, whenever the lord sees fit to record someone's name or or, or some particular thing because sometimes he says it was a certain person uh, it's something that we should probably pay attention to. They laid hold of one Simon the Cyrenian coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, in Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. In the King James Version, it says, He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so open he not his mouth in the, in the NIV version it says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent so opened he not his mouth and it, <clears throat> so it's interesting that this Simon person he's a Cyrenian and Cyrene was an area near Tripoli in Libya so he's pilgrimaged up to Jerusalem for this Passover feast likely and was there for that purpose because the law said that that all male Jews had to attend three feasts in the year and 
Likely he was a proselyte from that area down there, from Tripoli, from uh, Libya. And there he is kind of coming in to see what all the hubbub is about and ends up being made to carry the cross of Christ. Uh, and then we, then we find that... <clears throat> It's this Isaiah 53 7 is the same scripture which the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, reading out loud when the angel of the Lord sent Philip down to him from Samaria, where he'd been preaching the gospel up there to the Samaritans. And in Acts, the eighth chapter, uh, in verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Uh, you know, it says it's the angel of the Lord here in a couple verses down. It's called the, the capital S spirit. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under uh, Candace a queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Another proselyte from Ethiopia coming to Jerusalem for the feast there. Uh, it doesn't say which feast he was there uh, for the purpose of worship, but one of those three. And he was <clears throat> returning from Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, capital S Spirit, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Interesting, we were just thinking about the wonder of it as we were talking about this Norman I this morning and how God worked all things. He caused this Ethiopian to be a proselyte, caused him to have to go to Jerusalem, caused him, caused him to be particularly reading at this very instant Isaiah 53 and at the same time he he brings he goes he sends the spirit to Samaria and grabs Philip and says trot on down to Gaza <laughs> and intersect with this Ethiopian man and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah so he was reading it out loud and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And this Ethiopian was just like many that we find in religion. They read all these words and they're just sort of words to them. And they may get some moral guidance or social, social regulations and rules to go by. But they don't really see the spiritual aspect of it in the gospel. <clears throat> just things to do. And he says, Do you understand what you're reading here? This Isaiah 53, do you understand what that's about? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? You know, it takes the Spirit of God to say, to cause a person to say, how can I understand this? The scripture says, unless a man be born again, he can't see this kingdom of God. Uh, the natural man... Un receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they're 
spiritually discerned. He said, how can I? <laughs> that's, reveal, that's a revealed thing that to be able to understand that. How can I understand this on my own? How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. Right out of Isaiah 53, 7. Every step of the Lord foreordained. Every person there foreordained according to the purpose of God. And so we come back to this Simon of Cyrene and the soldiers led him away and they seized Simon from Cyrene who was on his way from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it beside Jesus. And he was there again for the Passover feast from this city of North Africa in, in Libya. And, and I think he was this name and where he was from was recorded for us on purpose because... Uh, a couple of things. We, if we look over to Mark's uh, gospel in chapter 15, recording this same uh, uh, thing that's going on in Mark 15:21, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Well, it isn't going to be too many years later that that Paul is writing from Corinth to the Romans and he says greet Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother who's been a mother to me too you know there's not very there's nothing really revealed about his brother Alexander but I'm pretty sure this is the same Rufus in this fact that he's from Cyrene we could go over to Acts chapter 2 and in verse 1 it says when the day of Pentecost was come they were all together in one place 50 days after is what that Pentecost was and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting it's all these disciples are there and and these people that came to to hear they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken and utterly amazed, they asked, Well, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? How do these rude country hillbilly folks know how to speak my language? And how, do, how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Those are the places that Peter wrote about to the strangers, all that area up in Turkey. Uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Isn't that interesting that we have this Simon there 
probably a proselyte up from Libya, come up to worship because it was required, came the same as that Ethiopian guy from uh, Candace, came up to worship and got intersected with the gospel. You know, it goes on to say in in Acts chapter 2 that, uh, well, let's just go back and go there. We, we have enough time. We'll just go over there and read that. It's interesting if we... In in uh, as we continue on here in verse eleven, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Well, that's what Philip was telling that Ethiopian about all the things that Christ underwent. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That that's the wonderful work of God, laying the iniquity of us all on his son to pay that penalty. And they were amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What meaneth this? And others mocked, saying, These men are full of new wine. So we have that that separation there. We have the people that were one they they recognize them as wonderful works of God and others that were just mockers. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and you men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. You're not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He takes them right to the gospel in the Old Testament, and he tells them about how this was going to occur, how these men were going to be able to speak to all the gospel to all these people in their own languages. And let's skip on down there to verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and sign, which God did by him in the midst of you as yourself, you yourself know him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it for David speaketh concerning him I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad moreover my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption <clears throat> so he goes on preaches the gospel of the death burial and resurrection of the Lord and <clears throat> it, it verifies that in verse 31 and verse 32 this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses and he's now he's by the right hand of God exalted. And now we come to the where the rubber meets the road in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Same thing that he that was said to Paul on the road to Damascus. Hard to kick against the pricks. 
And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles and men and brethren, What shall we do? And he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the be or for or because of the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we go on down to verse forty one. It says, And they then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Isn't that amazing? And and some of them was from Cyrene. Probably one of them's name was Simon. <laughs> so they hang they hung around after the feast was over and till the fifty days and and then they continued steadfastly in breaking of bread and prayers with the apostles and uh, what an amazing amazing set of circumstances there. And so now, as we mentioned earlier, that that they they led Jesus away in Luke it says to Calvary, and that's a Latin word. That's a the Latin for bald head. Uh, this mount that was the shape of a skull. In uh, Greek, it was Golgotha. Uh, in, the, in the Greek, the actual Greek word is cranian. From where we get cranium and uh, uh, the skull, and you know they don't know exactly where this Golgotha is pre precisely, and it's probably as many times in history we find a, a place as was there, and then it was uh, reduced to rubble, and then built over, and reduced to rubble, and built over, and and. At one time, it was on. It was at the time of this writing. It said it was it was outside the wall of Jerusalem, and that's what the scripture said that Jesus would have to be led outside the camp. So at this time, it was outside the wall, outside the old city gate. That's what it says in Hebrews thirteen twelve. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. That comes from Leviticus 16.27 that describes that process. But the exact location is unknown according to God's purpose, I believe, because if we knew exactly where it was, we would make a shrine there. <laughs> and it would be, uh, that would be the thing and not the, the Lord. And uh <clears throat> We'd build a religious monument there and go to worshiping that spot, just like Norman saying, "Well, if we had the brazen serpent, we'd be just like the in the the old Israelites. We'd go to worshiping that. If we had the piece of the Ark of Noah, we'd go to worshiping that, and and all this icon iconical things. And uh, you know, in in John four twenty, when Jesus talking to that woman at the well. She says, well, our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you say that Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And, and he says, you know, that's not the point. Where you worship is not as important as who you worship. Believe me, woman, the, war, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You don't know what you worship. <laughs> he tells her. 
we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That refers to himself. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Because God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to work, worship him. And, and <clears throat> you know, it's just like... Uh, even the disciples were kind of guilty of that back in Luke chapter 9 when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw all these supernatural happenings where the, the Lord was transfigured and, and there was two others standing with him and, and he says, they said, oh, it's good for us to be here. Let's, let us make three tabernacles here on this spot. One for you and and one for Moses and one for Elias. We'll make a, a religious worship spot here. And, and So, you know, I think the purpose of Golgotha was to be outside the camp and visible, according as it was written. They crucified him in a place where they could be seen and made a spectacle of, so that it would be a warning to others. And it was outside the wall and... You know, the distance from the praetorium or the hall of judgment where, where Pilate gave sentence to Golgotha is, it's not really revealed, but likely it was the, the two things that I read about said, depending on which route you take, it's either a third of a mile probably because they don't know the exact location, but they know approximately where it would have been. It would either have been a third of a mile or 1.3 miles, depending on which route you took. And again, it was the even the route has been speculated, but it's it's been turned into a religious iconry, mostly by Catholics who encourage pilgrimages along the way that they've named the the Via della Rosa, which is the way of suffering. And they have all these worship sites along the way where you stop and worship the spot and maybe leave a offering. <laughs> so that uh, however far and whichever route route, we know that those were both determined in eternity and purpose to be carried out absolutely and completely and and without deviation and but it's not in the purpose of God that we may know the exact steps otherwise we'd we'd fall into idolatry <laughs> but you know in Psalm uh, 37 verse 23 it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way and there's, there's none good but God why callest thee me thou good so today we're going to stop there, and, and uh, next week uh, we'll have Brother Lance here, and we'll be having brunch at this time and enjoying fellowship with the man of God that is truly a missionary. So be free because the good man, Jesus Christ, took these steps in your place because there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man... Christ Jesus. So be free.